When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. We are renaming this podcast the Super Bowl Champion Podcast because by proxy we are all now Super Bowl champions. So. Welcome to the show, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, Chris Schubert behind the producer mic. Gentlemen, feels a little better today than it has in a while. Like I can, I can recall just, you know, this, it's been a great football season, was really happy to get to this point, but there's been some ups and downs. Feels pretty good. Feels pretty good sitting here on a Tuesday. And I imagine Jake, who is in Tampa currently, rocking some Bucks gear still, headed for Arizona here soon. Imagine you're feeling pretty good still, Jake. Feeling a little better than I did yesterday morning, for sure. Working on like three hours of sleep, getting up. Uh, as you could probably hear, my voice is still not uh, back to normal. But yeah, to say we're on cloud nine, I think is an understatement. And still soaking it all in. I mean, when the phone starts ringing yesterday, and it's like, hey, uh, Jimmy Kimmel wants your dad on tonight. Okay, cool. So we must have won the Super Bowl or something. Uh, yes, yeah, it's just been unbelievable. So put a little context around. Obviously, you've watched your dad coach your entire life. Right. So this is not, this is not something you've never known. Your dad is anything other than being a football coach. So he's obviously had success in multiple places as a head coach. He's had success as a coordinator. He's won Super Bowl as a coordinator, but it's different when you're the guy leading the show, right? The credit that comes with it, the discredit that comes with it along the way, um, you know, and the Tom Brady effect brings a whole nother layer that I don't even think I really could quantify until what I watched this year. Um, 
So what does it mean for you and the family more so for, for this moment? Cause it is a huge moment, even though he's already had so much success, but it's just different. Just like we talked about Andy Reid last year, when you win one, it just matters more. Yeah. You and I were talking about it off camera and, and like Andy Reid didn't wake up last year, the next day, a better coach. He was already a hall of famer. They did an unbelievable job, but the narrative around his career is completely different. The Super Bowl it just has that magnitude. Uh, I tweeted yesterday about the embrace of my sister, my mom, my dad together, the four of us on the field and all the ups and downs that you go through as a coach's family, uh, the firings, my sister would have went to four high schools in four years. And my dad, you know, it was the only time they ever lived apart for six months. She could graduate early, but didn't have to leave her senior year. Um, it was just, it didn't really hit me till that moment. And we're soaked in Gatorade. I'm wearing, a, he, he's completely drenched. That might be the greatest Gatorade bath I've ever seen. <laughs> hopefully somebody, hopefully somebody listened to the show, pick blue. Um, and then it wasn't just that though, Paige. It was the next five or six guys that I saw wear a mask. Like I have 25 uncles I talk about all the time and a couple of aunts now on the, you know, on the staff and grabbing those and those embraces of guys that have been with us all the way since Temple, you know, 30 something years ago. So they're all standing on the pinnacle now with him. So it wasn't just that he did it as a head coach. It was all of his guys that made this job so special from Todd to Byron to Goody to Joe Gilbert to guys that go back from forever, you know, Keith Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ownership has been absolutely over the top amazing anything you they they wanted to bring in a guy that could get it done a staff that could get it done they bring in the quarterback to get it done and some other pieces but anything they needed along the way they saw enough last year to say okay we're getting it done we're heading in the right direction it's a different direction than we've been going in the past let's give them what they need to get it done and it it just it was it still hasn't really hit me to be honest with you i mean it's we only watched probably an hour's worth of stuff on TV yesterday, letting it all soak in. So did I get home and I watched, you know, I start the morning early with good morning football and work all the way through NFL live in the afternoon. Uh, and they're still talking about it, but the way the media cycle is now, it's probably going to be, going to be gone. We're not talking about the Super Bowl much by the time I actually get home. Yeah. Especially with all the free agency news and everything that's been cycling through. But I had a moment where I'm watching pops on Jimmy Kimmel and I just kind of laughed to myself. Cause it's just like, He's just, if you know him, to know him is to know he's never going to treat you differently than anybody else, right? And so you just see him on this, and he's actually got pictures of the family in the background of a lot of this stuff, so I'm laughing because I'm going, there's Riley and Jake, they're all like in the background, all this national TV, these photos, and I'm laughing because it's just, he just pops, right? When you meet him, you talk to him, that's how he is. He's not this larger-than-life character, and I can remember your mom talking about him and how the media in Arizona had kind of created this version of him that wasn't really who he was he was just more she's kind of the talker and he's the guy who's most more quiet and stands behind the scene absolutely which which if you know christine you know that very much to be true but congratulations the podcast family we've been so honestly if my favorite thing that i told you behind the scenes chris schubert he's texting me right during the game and chris you can jump in here because he's he he's like I'm not used to this feeling, right? It's a different, it's not the team that you love and you grew up rooting for. It's people that you know and you love and it changes the entire dynamic of watching a football game. It does. And Chris, Chris experienced Pacing that. around the house. Like Jake, I'm not, not even kidding. This isn't a bit for the show. I was pacing around the house. It, it just hits different game. when it's family, it, bro. It, 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 it really just hits does. different, man. It, it's, it is a completely different experience of which 
I wish upon no one because I have definitely lost years on my life because I'm There's just no way, way more dialed into what's going on than I am when it is the Chicago Bears. So congratulations to the organization. Congratulations to Jason Light, who deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what he did in putting that organization and that team in a position to be where they are. Uh, think the draft matters, people? Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., pretty damn good pick. Tristan Wirfs, pretty damn good pick. Let, yeah, how, how are those two fifth-round picks from last year's draft working out? One you traded for Rob Gronkowski. The other you traded up two spots to get Tristan Wirfs. And by the way, the people that had the problem with it at the time, neither one of those fifth-round picks would have made that team. So no. I'd say he did pretty damn good in that draft for what he had to do to move around. It's, it's what we will begin to really break down and, and what the Draft Network's going to really focus on over the next couple of months is helping the fans understand the complete life cycle of the NFL, which is you have to be good at drafting, but you also have to be good at free agency. And you have to be good at the whole process. It's not one V one. It's not one or the other. It's the great organizations are going to figure out ways to make their team better throughout that entire life cycle. And that is something we're going to talk about a lot all across everything that we're doing at the draft network. We're going to show you all the different fantasy angles and man, <laughs> it's already gotten crazy. We've already had Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff trade teams. We're going to talk about Carson Wentz. Yes, I know Bears fans, you've been waiting for me to tee off on this. I will discuss it. I have thoughts. I'm going to calmly talk about the Super Bowl first before I get into these Carson Wentz thoughts. So, Jamie, let's first let's first break this game down, right? So, I would like to begin this part of the show by saying we were right. Thank you very much. That's, what, that's, that's my analysis is Jamie, myself, and Chris, because Jake was in Tampa, we broke down the game. And I'm not trying to – this is – the guys did an incredible job talking about how this game was going to flow. And it went ex like to a T with the exception of we did not see the Chiefs getting their, their ass whooped, which is what happened, Chiefs fans. It was not the referees. It was not one or two plays. It was an ass whooping from the beginning to the end, and that's what it was. So, Jamie, talk a little about, a, a bit about what you saw and, and maybe you know, what impressed you most from that Super Bowl victory. Well, what we talked about, look, nobody expected the Chiefs to score only nine points. I, you could have been the biggest Bucs fan no. in the world. That was not no. the way. You, you, even if you thought the Bucs were going to win like we all picked, we didn't think it was going to be because Kansas City only scored nine. But as we talked about all week, and I know, and we talked about this in our off-camera meeting yesterday, but there's a sense that happens in the football world, in the sports world in general, and it usually happens with like number one draft picks, where everybody knows there's a storyline or a player that's going number one, and people just get sick of talking about it, so they try to find reasons to discredit that player or that situation. We talked about it all week. The banged-up offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs versus a very hot, very hot Buccaneers pass rush and front four coming into this game was going to be the key to this game. And most people kind of understood that. And then we saw some tweets. I'll just call them out, like PFF tweeting out on – it was a Thursday or Friday that, no, this, this, is, this is BS. It's not going to matter. Why? Because they got Mahomes. Like, he is some you know, superhuman cyborg that isn't affected by the same things that any great almost. NFL passers. He's close, he but he's still a human being. But that was the huge difference in this game. And the Chiefs, as we talked about last night, they kind of puffed out their chest and said, this is who we are, and we're not going to change. And you know what? It usually works for them, but it didn't. 
they ran what 92% five man protections in this game. They said, this is how we operate our offense. This is how we've had success. We might fall behind, but that hasn't stopped us before. I.e., look at every postseason run we've had with Mahomes, but it didn't work this time. The, uh, Mike Remmers, I mean, they've been playing, they were playing three guys out of position. You have Mike Remmers as a backup playing left tackle. They move Wiley from right guard to right tackle. You bring in Wisniewski at a right guard. So you've got three fifths of the offensive line playing out of position. Your center missed a lot of practice this week because he was on the COVID 19 list. That's a lot of disruption in that front five. They didn't keep anybody in to protect, they don't have a true blocking tight end. Uh, I mean, they they did all of these things, and Pierre Paul's been hot lately. Shaq Barrett has been turning those pressures into sacks. Jay called him out for that a few weeks back. Like, you're getting there, but you got to actually produce once you get to the quarterback. He's produced. Vita Rea being back in the middle there, just eating up blocks was just phenomenal. Namakin Sue played well. And Todd Bowles, and maybe like Jake, we talked about this last night, so maybe you could tell me. I don't think, and I've watched a lot of football. I have never seen a nickel and outside cornerback blitz on a play in my life. I, have, I don't think I've ever seen that sort of a blitz before in all my years of watching football. And I've watched football for not as long as you guys, but more than 20 years now. Uh, it was just, it was incredibly creative, the play calling. The defense stepped up. They had a great game plan. And Kansas City said, we're just not going to change. And then it became too late. And that's the key. We talked about all week, the two keys. You have to get pressure on Mahomes with four and be able to score 30. What did the Bucks do? exactly those two things and it wasn't even close and we still didn't think they were going to hold them to nine right i mean as no. good as that defense play a couple couple things you said that i love jamie one they they can't change and the reason travis kelsey will never be the greatest tight end in the NFL, in nfl history over rob gronkowski is the fact that he doesn't block he's yep. a receiver that is not even on the line of scrimmage and he's definitely not on the line of scrimmage with his hand in the dirt very much he might put his hand down there, people. Like it's, it's kind of a three-point stance. But we all know what I mean. He's not lining up and road-grading people like Gronkowski was the first three games of the playoffs before he went back out and caught two touchdowns. The other thing I love Todd did, Todd took Vita Vea and put him on the, on the right end going against Remmers at left tackle, and he just collapsed everything going on with these bull rushes. A 350-pound guy coming off the end. And the athleticism of Vita to be able to do that. And to your point about the blitzes, James, that's just Todd. I mean, that's – this is all Andy Reid coming out of a bye, too, people. Like, that's not, not something I didn't really hear the narrative going in the Super Bowl, but they had extra time again and his record coming out of a bye to get dominated like that. Uh, I, I don't want to sound like the homer, so I'll let you guys talk about how much they, had, they got outcoached, but they did. To me, this was coaching. It was game plans. Todd did an unbelievable job. Byron's not getting enough credit for the offensive job because Dad and B.A. Are, B.A. And, and Tom are there, but Byron was absolutely spectacular the time that he spent. Um, and I still go back to Tom Brady sending his family away for 12 days. Like Absolutely. when I saw that, I mean, a bunch of people were like on Twitter being funny, like bucks by 30, but he's like, I've never had this much time to get Almost. my body right. I'm going to watch film and the better more I watch, they put their better. I'm going to be, it, it's a, it was, it was total domination from, from the It jump. really was. It really was. And, and I think, look, you don't, you don't get too many over an Andy Reid and company often, but the one area where they were able to force the issue, and it was a little bit in the first half too late game or late half clock management. If you remember going back to his Philadelphia days, it's always been the thing that's been just that one little issue that Andy Reid has. And in, hall, in a Hall of Fame coaching career, that's a blind spot for him. I understand taking that first time out at the end of the half. If you remember the sequence, the Bucks were getting the ball under a little over a minute, I believe it was on the clock. I get taking the first time out. Makes total sense to me. You think you might get a minute or 50 seconds back to get the ball to Mahomes. But it's taking the second time out after they get that gain on, on – on first down and you start to go, 
you know, they're not asking a lot here. There was a second and six or second and four, whatever it was there. You start to get questioned. Then you take the – it just – that whole scenario there, it, it went from, okay, we're taking a risk to maybe get Mahomes back the ball to we have now shifted this and have given Tom Brady enough time if he can convert like a, a third short. And I, that was a big changing moment. Like if you look at the ends of both halves in the last two games the Bucks have played, you talk about game-shifting plays and game-shifting drives and momentum – the plays in Green Bay and the play there in the Super Bowl. And look, it, it's that is where the games are won and lost. This is maybe a completely different game. Mm. If that is a more manageable score coming out of halftime, they have 18 years because of the halftime performance to make adjustments in the half. They come out and they get the ball. Maybe they're able to make this closer game. But they allowed Brady to have way too much time there. Again, first time out I get. The other ones I did not. I thought that just all you did there was give Brady plenty of time because at that point, you're basically going to get the ball back with like 30 seconds left. Yeah. So like the risk reward there was odd to me, but it was like those little things that happened throughout the game that made it an issue. And, and, but we talked, but I want to go back to what we talked about all week on the show, because I think aside from the, the pressure with the front four and obviously scoring 30 points, we talked about a lot of other elements to this game that kind of played out. Uh, you saw the bucks go for it on fourth and goal from the one we told you there again, like they're not, these teams aren't kicking field goals inside the 10. Like the, neither one of these coaches is going to get down there with those other quarterbacks on the other side. And they're going to start kicking field goals there. We saw that play out. We saw Leonard Fournette have a really strong game and, and Ronald Jones, who going back to even that week 12 game is like running at like six plus yards, a clip against Kansas city. Like he was a big spark for them at times as well on those drives, even though Leonard Fournette had the better game and got more notoriety. Ronald Jones was a key part of this as well. Uh, Tristan Wirfs played out of his mind. Uh, it's just, it's, Donovan Smith, his improvements over the second half of the year are notable because people wanted to run him out of town after the first eight games of the year. And now it's like he, he did a pretty decent job. I think you can you have some flexibility now with that first-round pick. But regardless, this was just from top to bottom, the, the Bucks outplayed, outcoached, and out-executed. It doesn't happen very often against Andy Reid. You can probably count on one hand in the last five years how many times that's happened in a game. But it happened here. And the Bucks had the firepower to actually take advantage because that's what some of these other teams don't do. They might be able to catch the Chiefs early. We've seen Houston catch the Chiefs early. We've seen Atlanta at times catch the Chiefs early. They'll catch them, but then they can't actually take advantage. The key to them is you stop them, and then you make them dig out of a giant hole. And they couldn't do it this time. They didn't even come close. This felt like it was coming to me, though. This felt like it was coming all year long because this team was never impressive. They just weren't. They had one game. We've talked about it on the show. They played one game in the playoff game against Buffalo, but one game in the early part of the football season against Baltimore on the road where they clicked and it was an unbelievable performance. But from then on, they had a quarter where they looked great or a half where they might've looked good, but they never put together four quarters of a really, really good football game. They just did not. And it, and it never caught up to them. And it felt like they, it, they had this bravado of like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we can come back because we have Patrick Mahomes. That, uh, it felt like that wasn't just, it's not a knock on Patrick. It's more a knock on everybody else for thinking that, it, that, that the rest of the team doesn't really matter because Patrick Mahomes is just better than everybody else. Well, let me explain to you how football works, okay? You can't just have a great quarterback. You have to have everything else because that's what Patrick Mahomes would have looked like, Bears fans, if they drafted him and he played under John Fox. 
running around with that shitty offensive line, that was a little taste of what it would have looked like if he had to play year one with a really bad offensive line, no weapons, and a bad defense. That's, that's because they played bad across the board. And they walked in, and to Jamie's point, they just thought that they could do what they always did. They, well, we, can just, we can just count on what we've always counted on. And the difference between the rest of the NFL and Tampa is Tom Brady was on the opposing side. And, and when he plays against you, he's, one, definitely not afraid of you, but, two, wants to put his foot on your neck and take care of business. And that's exactly what happened because he wasn't – there was no intimidation factor on the opposite side, whereas the rest of the NFL – kind of looks at Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team, and it's, it's oh, it's the Chiefs. It's like the Warriors. They had been crowned this team that just could not possibly be beat. Well, guess what? When they came in and they weren't at full, at full length, this, this team could not take care of business. And I would much rather – I saw a bunch of people – I would much rather have seen a Buffalo Bills team in the Super Bowl if they could have been at, at full strength. That's why we picked them because we thought that, that was they were not going to, you know, kind of – get scared and let the chiefs come in. But that's the, I saw this happening all year long. I didn't think they'd get to the super bowl and then have it happen. And then I thought it'd catch them earlier, but that's what I've, I've seen this team all year long. They never looked like the same team. And that's why the point of this takes, it takes so much to do what Tom Brady has done for such a long time. And the fact that people just sit back and go, well, he'll just be back. That's not how the NFL works. It's just not how it works. It's so hard to be Tom Brady. It's so hard to do what New England did for such a long time. And it's so hard to change conferences, to change offenses, to do everything that happened this year, to go on the road and get to the game and win it all. It's, it is a fairy tale. It is something that Hollywood only couldn't have even dreamt up themselves. That is what happened this year in the NFL. And it should be talked about in no other light other than that. It's absurd. Like, yes. if you really sit back and think, I, I, I know it, it's weird because part of me says everyone knows Tom Brady can do it, except where were those people the last six to eight weeks? But uh, in general, we believe that every, you know, everybody knows Tom Brady can do things. But you change teams. You have no offseason, no preseason, no training camp. You're bringing in guy, you know, you're, yes, you've drafted well, but you're also bringing in Gronkowski hasn't played in a year. Leonard Fournette just got cut from the worst team in football. Antonio Brown comes in midseason. You have no idea what you're getting with him. You go to a new team. You don't win your division. You have to play three straight road games. You have to beat a couple Super Bowl MVPs along the way just to get into the Super Bowl itself. And then you beat the player that everybody considers, fairly, the best player in football in Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and you beat him by three touchdowns. Like, it's ridiculous on the surface to think about that. Like what that run is. And, and it's ridiculous because we, talk, we talked about this and this is going to lead into a point I know Chris is dying to make because he's been yelling about it for two days now. It is so freaking hard to win a Super Bowl. Don't let Tom Brady's run cheapen that because we are seeing all-time greatness. It is so freaking hard. And it, it, we, we've talked about it because the announcers, as they always do, Chris, and I'll, I'll tee, tee this off for you and you can start after this, always make this mistake every time somebody's in the game and they go, oh, well, Mahomes will be back. Yeah. It's not – I think he will, but it's not that simple. Because you know who else we thought Chris was going to be back there and Aaron win again? Rogers. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Dan Marino. Yeah. Dan Mar 
Like, you and, don't always get back. And look this up, Chris. Only 12 quarterbacks. So, for 55 Super Bowls, only 12 quarterbacks have made three appearances in the Super Bowl. And I'll read them to you now so everybody knows. Because we talked about this, and I looked this up. Obviously, Tom Brady, who's going to pace the field. John Elway made five. Terry Bradshaw made four. Montana made four. Staubach made four. Peyton made four. Kelly made four. And then Aikman, Greasy, Roethlisberger, Warner, and Tarkington all made three. You realize the list of like, – like that is a completely unattainable list for 99.9% of quarterbacks that are ever going to play in the NFL. Ever. The first part of that list is Hall of Fame, 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 Hall of Fame. Like, it's just – it's unattainable. So, Chris, go ahead, tee it off. I know you're what you're – you are waiting for this. And you're right. So, I'm excited for you to bring this on. So, I'm watching the game, right? And the moment mm. that Jamie's talking about comes with about two or three minutes left in the broadcast. And Tony Romo, of all people. And that's what bothered me most about this. They have a shot of Mahomes looking dejected on the sidelines. And he goes, oh, he'll be back. And I, underst- I understood what Tony meant by it. But Tony Romo, of all people, a guy who got destroyed through his career for not being able to make the playoffs or win a playoff game, should know it ain't that easy because Tony Romo was not a bad quarterback. Tony Romo could play. If Tony Romo didn't play for the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think he'd get some of the hate that he got, okay? It's really difficult. I'm still waiting. Guys, I'll sit here and wait for Russell Wilson to play in his third Super Bowl. Let me know when it happens. Because after they went to -to back-to-back, I was told, oh, they'll be back. They'll get to a third. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to see Aaron Rodgers play in a second. This isn't a shot at any of those guys. It's just, it's, you can't unequivocally, you know, just say out loud, Patrick Mahomes will be in another Super Bowl. You have zero idea how the next NFL season is going to play out. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl and played in one. Rex Grossman played in a Super Bowl. Do I have to go through the list of random quarterbacks that have played in a Super Bowl? Trent this Dilfer. stuff happens. Okay, Trent Dilfer, yeah. thank you, James. Uh, Rex Grossman had a higher passer rating in the Super Bowl than, yeah, he Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so things happen, all right? And, and, and guys yeah, – had more touchdowns guys you don't expect to play in super bowls at the quarterback position play in super bowls right or do we all think that patrick mahomes is more talented than joe flacco absolutely right joe flacco played in super bowl it just random stuff happens so to just unequivocally just say out loud that the that the chiefs and patrick mahomes will be back i think is foolish especially when that new contract kicks in and this isn't a shot of Patrick Mahomes. He got paid. He got all of his money. But you're telling me that the Chiefs roster two, three years from now is going to be better than the roster they had the last two years? No chance. Not a chance. So you can't just unequivocally say these things and not to have pushback. Because the reason why Tom Brady has gone to 10 Super Bowls and has won seven of them, and I don't care if this makes me the bad guy for saying it out loud, he took less money than all these other quarterbacks. He constantly restructured his contract so Bill Belichick in New England could go add defensive players, could go trade for Randy Moss, could go do all these things in order to build out a, a better team with Tom Brady than if Tom Brady got $35, $40 million a year. No fault of Patrick Mahomes for getting paid. No fault for Lamar, Baker, and Josh Allen. We're all going to get no, paid. This get your season. money. There is an opportunity cost that comes with playing that game. And, that, and you know what the opportunity cost is? Winning seven championships and going to 10 Super Bowls. That's the opportunity cost. So I got a question for you guys. And I'll, I'll be the one to pose it and not comment first. Is this the greatest team Tom Brady played on? And is it the greatest run through the, through the playoffs that's ever happened? The second one, well, yes. Yes. I, this I, is I his best run by far. This is his best run. No, and I don't think his. it's that close. Has anybody been through – will you put it through what they did on the road? I mean, the other three, teams that did it on the road, when we were in Pittsburgh, it wasn't this. Uh, it wasn't these teams. No, I mean, I'll throw no, the stat no, out no, I threw no, to no. Jamie and Paige yesterday. This is the first time somebody's won the Super Bowl by defeating three Super Bowl MVP – 
three previous Super Bowl MVPs in the process. Right. So that, that there is that to question. look at. And, yeah, and I think that would be a great place to start. Jamie and I have this, this kind of – that 18-0 and 0, um, Super Bowl team for the Patriots, I think that, that team was better. Done. The one that didn't get it I, I, I think I that team to probably better. agree, but I, was, I throw it out there because if you, nobody's going to say that. Nobody's even going to think that. It's the top three for sure, if not top two team he's ever played on. When you go position by position all the way through, it's just as talented as any team he ever played on, and I think it's right there. But that 2000, if that 2008 team would have actually finished it off, then, yeah, it might be the greatest team well, of all time. But this has got to be think, right there with it. Yeah, and I think then if you talk about run, that's the only other team that comes to mind maybe is in the conversation is that Giants team that beat the, the undefeated Patriots. Going through, I think it was a Tampa Bay and then Dallas, Rodgers and the Packers, and then – undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like, that's the only one that I think was would be an interesting comparison. Um, between both, leading Leading the Super Bowl 42. Now, they clearly were not as good of a – they weren't as talented as a team as what the Bucks entered the postseason with, but that run, when they turned things on, starting in Week 17 when they really came out – they lost that game, but they came out to play against New England. Like, that was – that run is up there. But this is – it's close. Like, it, it's – like I said, it's absurd what happened this year. And again, they didn't have to deal with no offseason, no preseason, new coach. Like Eli Manning exactly. had been there. Like Coughlin a bit, you know, it, it's just like, it, it, given all of the other circumstances, it's just, if it's, it's not hard. the best, it's top two, like it, in terms of just all postseason runs ever. It, it's hard not to be able to factor that in, right? Because it has to be a factor. You have to look at every single aspect of this when you're going 1v1. And it's hard for me to look at, Eli, even in that situation and that team and not go, okay, well, you're in the same system and you know, the team and everything, all, everything else aside, very impressive. But when you look at one V one and you look at in the middle of a pandemic with all the rules and all the changes and everything that just to play football, just, just let's start there. Just to play football, what it took, from a discipline standpoint, from all the players in the league to get themselves to that point. Then you add in the fact that Tom Brady played his entire career one way. And then he came and didn't get an off season, didn't get training camp, didn't get preseason and, and was thrown into that offense. And ta he's talked a lot about it. He, he's talked a lot about, Hey, it took me some time to adjust and whatever, but him and Bruce were on with, with Roger Goodell. And it's like, Hey, we got a whole team that runs one way and you're the smartest player ever. So guess what? Because you're so smart, you'll be able to make the, be the one person that has to adjust because we're not going to try and get all the 52 guys to try and adjust to you. You got it. You're the smartest dude of all time. You're going to be able to adjust. And guess what? He did. Was he thumb. And, and they, and it took some time and they blended in, but that has to be part of this conversation because it adds to the level of impressive that existed this year for what it for what it took to be able to get to this point it, it just it, it, it matters so yeah a couple things on that I mean I think one is um, I'd love to see this coaching staff get the credit they deserve for the management of those personalities Jamie talked about in the blending of all of this super team whatever the COVID stuff the new and they go back to what I told you guys in the beginning if this team can get to the bye week in great position and they start to figure it out. They're going to get better and better and better. The longer they play, the better they're going to get. They finally played their best game in the Super Bowl, which I still think they're better next year. If they lost that game, I was a little bit worried about Super Bowl hangover and injuries. And then I went back and said, 
Yeah, Tom never had a Super Bowl hangover. So whatever that lingers, Tom ain't letting that happen. The other thing Jamie, Jamie touched on, I think, was vital. They stole a couple games, and it's, it's coaching, right? The aggressiveness in Green Bay to score that touchdown before the half. But you go back, I saw the stat yesterday. I haven't double-checked this, but I'll throw it out there. Four straight games with a touchdown in the last two minutes of the first half. That's how you win, especially when you got the ball first. In Green Bay, they go out and score on the opening drive, and they score before the first half. You get the turnover in the second half. That's, that's a, a, a plus. But in this one, they stole the game. When you're hoping they can go down and get three, but they're being conservative. They're probably okay with going in with the score that it was. But you go down and you get that because they called those timeouts, and you steal another touchdown. If you guys ever watched a game with me, I always know who kicks off, who gets the ball to start the second half, and how the first half finishes. Because if you get doubled up, you have an 88% chance of losing. And you, that's how games are stolen. I think it was a great point Jamie made. I just wanted to touch on it again because it's absolutely vital. But that's coaching. That's being aggressive. That's knowing playoff football and having the guys to go execute it. That's no, that's no risk it, no biscuit. That's the definition of that. Like, that is the mentality. That is, we are not going to let up. And you saw it. And it was... This is the fun part of watching this version of Tom to me, because obviously we've been able to watch, which I'm, I can't even begin to think about it now because he's still playing. But when he is done playing, there will be this just absolute like, holy shit, it was awesome to watch Tom Brady for his entire career. Right? That's because Jamie's reading that list page. Not only has he been to 10 and now won seven, He's got five MVPs, which was more than Montana played in. Five MVPs of the Super Bowl. Joe Montana only played in four. Terry Bradshaw only played in four. The next guy on the list only played in four. He's got five MVPs, much less winning seven and been to ten. That is astronomical. He has as many Super Bowl MVPs as the second most appearances ever, which is Elway five, who's two and three in Super Bowls. Like that's it. It does. It's mind blowing. It's incomprehensible. And, and look, trust me, as a known Boston sports fan hater, okay, it's been tough over the years to, like, you can appreciate the greatness you try to separate from, if people don't know, I'm from New York, I'm a Yankees fan, like anything Boston sports is, is eh for me. So, but you can still appreciate the greatness that you're watching. And it's just, it's so, it's becoming so absurd now, the numbers and the championships in the hardest sport to win them in that it, it's, I don't want this to become cheapened. And that's like the conversation that we're talking about. Cause it's not going to become cheapened for cheapened for Tom Brady. It's going to become cheapened for every, whoever the next, the next baby goat or whatever we're going to use to whether it's Mahomes, whether it's the next quarterback in 10 years, whatever it's going to be. Nobody can be compared to what Tom Brady's doing. It's we'll never, never it happening. Again. We'll again. never see it again, Jamie. You got, I'm older never happening. I can go back and say, okay, I remember because Dan, Dan, I told you about it all the time. Dan Marino was my favorite player of all time. Goes in year two. To say he's never going to go back and he played 15 years, whatever it was, you wouldn't have expected that. I was there for John Elway, who went early and lost three and finishes up as an old man and a completely different quarterback, winning two before he rides off into the sunset. Those were years apart. Mm-hmm. But those Washington teams that kicked his ass in the Super Bowl early. He never thought he was going to finish up the way that he did a completely different guy. I mean, to say that things happen when you're, it's, it's early. You talked about how hard it is to do it. And Chris made a great point. When that contract kicks in, and that contract is gigantic. The salary cap's coming down. It'll be a while before it ever gets back to where it is now. You're not the same roster. Now, he can overcome more than most people. But so can Aaron Rodgers. He ain't been to another one yet. It's, it's, it, it, that's the, that's the point that I think we were, we were all looking at this yesterday and we're watching 
predominantly the usual suspects in the national media, right? Just kind of start to form this narrative around, you know, what happened in that football game and make excuses for Patrick Mahomes. And it's more so cover their ass, right? That's more that it, it, at the end of the day, no, apparently nobody can be wrong in a thing that nobody can ever be right about all the time, which, it, which cannot be true. If you're, if you're, if you're sitting back at home, this is why it's sports. This is why we watch because we do not know the outcome. We never, you can't, you can, you can try and you can be the smartest person in the world. You're not going to know all the factors that happen that take place inside the game. So people are going to be wrong, but apparently nobody in the national media is ever wrong because they never admit that they ever made any mistakes and instead double down and try and quantify or pretzel themselves as Jamie has talked about into making excuses for why they were wrong instead of just saying I was wrong. And this is what I said after the game when we, when we all chatted was that it's one, it's it's okay to be wrong. We did a whole roast of me and Jake like two weeks ago. Like we're going to be wrong. We pick every single game in the NFL. I do player projections for 300 fantasy players. We talk, we do three shows a week, every single week through football season. We're going to say things that are wrong. Things are going to change on us. It's okay if you can just admit that you were wrong and then try to figure out why. Did something change? Is there something I missed? Or was it an off game? Whatever it might be. The funny thing to me coming out of this is this weird narrative that started to come out about how unbelievably great the Bucks are and everybody knew it and everybody do like, really? Because I don't remember, I remember everybody talking about that Bruce Arians should be fired, Tom Brady's washed, there's another team mid-season oh if they were the super team that has all this talent and no 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 doubt that they won cool why didn't nobody pick them at the start of the postseason then like there's this weird changing of the narratives of like they they can't admit that Mahomes had a bad game like yes he made some ridiculously athletic throws that you you know one hits uh, Tyree Kill in the face mask the other hits Kelsey doesn't catch it maybe there's some differences there it's probably a closer game I don't think they win but it's a closer game if they make those plays but it's okay Mahomes played the worst game of his career. It's okay to say that, guys. He's still great. He's still amazing. Still the number one quarterback in the league. If we were redrafting the league tomorrow, he's the undisputed, no doubt, number one pick. Nobody is saying that. But he also played the worst game of his career. And a lot of that is because of not only just the talent on Tampa Bay's defense, but the coaching. Like, that was a – Todd. this is the best day, game Todd Bowles has coached in his life. Yeah. I mean, that was – from top to bottom, start to finish, was just talk about somebody being two steps ahead. It just, they always look like, like you, you could have convinced me that Bill Belichick like slipped him the playbook, like old Patriot style with how just how just they did everything they needed to do in that game and they trusted their talent to execute and they did. And great game plan and great execution comes together. You got that. It, it was just amazing to see, but it, it's always funny how everybody could just, instead of saying they were wrong or that they didn't see this coming or that all whatever it might be, they want to pretend like, oh, no, of course the Bucs won because they have Tom Brady. You didn't say that a week ago. You didn't say that four weeks ago. You certainly didn't say that 12 weeks ago at midseason when everybody should have been fired and he can't, he can't play and Bruce Arians can't coach and Byron Leftwich needs to be gone and, you know, oh, they waste their time and they should have kept Jameis. Remember all this stuff that wasn't – that was this season. That was in 2020. Like, it wasn't that long ago. Oh, I, oh, I remember. <laughs> Oh, I like, remember. And we're going to have, trust me, I was going to do it on this show, but I decided we should have an analysis show. And then we're going to have a roast of not us. We're going to have a roast of everybody else. Because yes. I got I'm all, all the that. receipts. 
I got and, all the receipts. I got all the bugs. Trust me, this isn't exclusive to media. This is a lot of Bucks fans, a lot of Bucks homers who are now, oh, I love Bruce Arians. I love this love team. I love, oh, it's incredible that you were screaming and yelling about Jameis Winston six months ago. And now the tune has changed. Very and I will start. I will start this with me. I was very critical of Byron midseason. I didn't like yep. what I saw. I thought there was a lot of conservative play calling. I thought there was a lot of just, it looked like he wasn't ready to coach Tom Brady. That, that, that switch flipped. And those two had a connection in the back part of the year, particularly post by, but even leading into it a little bit, they just got tired as a team. That switch flipped in the second half of the year. And I thought he did a magnificent job. So there, there's me eating some crow on that because I was critical of him in particular. I, didn't, I did not like a lot of that play calling in the first half of the season. Felt out of sync. They got it together, and not only did they get it together, they excelled for the last two months of the year and, and could not be more impressed with the performance he had in the Super Bowl throughout the playoffs and even ending the season post by. So I'll eat some crow there. See, it can be done. It's not, it's, it's, it's not really, that hard either. <laughs> no, it's not that hard. People are wrong all the time, and I'm here to remind you of all the times. It's me on a weekly basis. You can't yeah, yeah, trust it. Always. I'm all the time wrong all the time. Like, at least once a show. I mean, come on. Guys, I said the Rams were the best team in the NFC in the midway point of the season. Do we not remember that? He's going to okay. do it again. Like I'll do it again at some point. Stafford I'm all in on the Stafford bandwagon. Oh, and I'll do it at some point. But oh, listen, now the tune's changed a little bit. Now Stafford's there. Now no, I'm you, all in. You do, like, for all of us, we do a lot of media. There's a lot of content that we do. We're going to say some things that are wrong. If you just raise your hand and go, I was wrong, we can all move on, laugh, have a good time, and we can move on to the next wrong thing we'll be wrong about. You just the to what Jamie's point was, and it is so funny. He the way Jamie described it to me, he's on Slack. We're going back and forth, and he we're laughing because this is the take. And I'm gonna say this one and then we'll save the rest for the next show. But I, I'm not gonna call him out. Okay. He's a good I like this guy. He's a nice dude. Okay. Works for Bleacher Report, right? Mahomes has unquestionably this is after the game. Oh, I remember that. This is so yeah, context. This is, this is after, after the Super Bowl. Yes. This the is Super after, Bowl has been played. We have seen after, the game. Correct. This is after the Super Bowl. This is after Tom Brady has been given his fifth MVP. This is after all that. Okay? I hope There's Jake hasn't seen matters. this because I, I can, we can see the video. This is going to be beautiful. Okay. Mahomes has unquestionably outplayed Tom Brady, but Tom Brady will win. Don't let the history books tell you a different story. What? Wait a minute. This is after the Super Bowl? It's after the game. This is the next so morning. This is after <laughs> the game that Brady just set the highest QBR in Super Bowl history. And after the game, Mahomes scored no touchdowns in. Yes. And had his lowest QBR in the history of his yes. career, which was lower than Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl, by the way. I said that earlier. Wow. Yeah, I, I – I guess they need the ratings up. I, I, I mean, that's all this is. I mean, go back to Jamie's point. You ate crow right there, but it was being force-fed down your throat by every national outlet. And we're talking all the big ones. I'll call them out, ESPN, Fox, CBS. Everybody that calls oh, yeah. games was they have no motion. They need to do what Kansas City does with these RPO. Like, none of that's actually play action. They don't have enough motion. It's freaking Tom Brady. He knows of his manner zone. He's in a new offense. It's going to take a while. The entire thing was – that cohesiveness of head coach, quarterback, offense coordinator, play caller, it just took a while to merge. And I told you it's going to take a while. And if they get hot and figure that's why I think they're going to be 20% better next year if they have any kind of offseason at all. But, I mean, I, Jamie, I mean, I just stood up and did that. But, like, 
we all sat there and listened to that force fed down our throat. Eventually you're going to go, okay, well maybe they need to have more motion and more play action. And they did throughout the second half of the season, but it wasn't because of that. It was just, that was the nuance that, that, that came through as they figured things out. There is, there is a special place for all people that exist on social media with these takes. And it is, it is okay to say Patrick Mahomes is great. It wasn't his best game. Those things are, I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but it is okay. It is in fact, okay. And correct. to say Patrick Mahomes is excellent. He's a phenomenal quarterback and he did not have his best game. Say the truth about what happened on a football game. It doesn't make Patrick Mahomes any less wonderful. It doesn't make it doesn't ruin his career. You're not talking about him like he's like he's never gonna make it back again. But to Chris's point earlier on, and to this discussion we've had this whole time, the threshold that everybody is trying to hold him to is not fair to Patrick Mahomes. He I mean, he did it to himself, be... Paige. I, my dad and I were sitting here talking yesterday. Thank you. Go, go ahead. I go, is it, does it, would it be shocking to you after that game that you just had this masterful coaching player performance, you won the Super Bowl, if I said maybe the three most impressive plays of the game were in, incompletions from Patrick Mahomes? And he goes, no, the dude is unbelievable. Like, nobody else can be rolling full speed left, flick one from your waist that almost just caught for a touchdown. Antoine Winfield Jr. gets a finger on it, and it's incompletion. Or the one where you look like freaking Superman that you throw across your body from your waist. He goes, no, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be shocking to me at all. They were. They were unbelievable for the fact that he even escapes and makes the play. But Pat did it to himself because he's been so spectacular ever since he stood on the field in the NFL. Uh, so we hold him to that standard because we've seen him do it time and time again. We saw him do it in this game. When people make comments like that, that's the stuff they're talking about because he had to do it by himself. The offensive line was non-existent. But that's what the Buccaneers did to him. Not that he just had a bad game. I go back to what Jamie said. The coaching staff and the way the players played that, executed that game, forced him to play that way. And he still almost pulled off miracle after miracle in that game. So, yes, he played his worst game technically. There were some unbelievable moments that he manufactured by himself that he almost pulled off. 100%. And that's why I think the, the best version of what happened, I think it's Ben who wrote it for us on draftnetwork.com, is that it's okay. Like, it takes the team like the narrative was wrong because it was always, it's only Patrick Mahomes and nobody else. Right. And, and the reality is it takes an entire football team. It doesn't matter how special you are. You can be insert Patrick Mahomes. And if your offensive line does not play well, if your defense gets picked apart, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you need a coaching staff and you need a team. Even if you're Patrick Mahomes, you can't, you're not, as I said yesterday to the guys, they go, the, they're trying to hold him to a God standard. You're trying to hold him to like, this is God and this is where you have to be. Well, guess what? When you've got three guys on your offensive line, two not playing, one playing out of position against that defensive line, we told you all week, this is not going to be pretty probably. Not going to be pretty. And that's exactly what happened because it would not be pretty for any quarterback ever in the NFL if that was the scenario that played out. Because the offensive line matters, the defensive line matters, and it's not sexy. That's what Jim Nagy said. He goes, listen, you just watched it happen. Our guy Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, 
right after the Super Bowl, he goes, listen, I know, I know draft fans. I know you're not going to be happy about those picks because they're not sexy, but they win championships. Because go watch that game and see what happened in the trenches and tell me that those picks are not picks that matter. Look at Vita Vea. Look just at re- his- rewind it two weeks, babe. 100%. Yep. The, the Packers offensive line destroyed the Rams defensive line with Aaron Donald. Yep. Destroyed the week before. Then got destroyed by that Bucks defensive yep. line in front seven. You saw it coming. And if we were at, at the time during the game in the broadcast, they're talking about this Packers offensive line being one of the best in football. That then got destroyed the next week. And then you throw out the offensive line the Chiefs were going to put out in the Super Bowl. And you're saying, okay, that's the difference in the game. That's what I said all week. You guys talked about it before the game. And it was. But it was also the way that it was done with Todd's defense being two steps ahead and crazy stuff like Jamie's talking about with, with blitzes. And it was the perfect timing of those blitzes. I mean, it was just masterful job of defense. By the way, when I said, is this the greatest team Tom played on? Well, I think we all would say no because you, you instantly go to some of those great defenses they had. But you're talking about Antoine Winfield Jr., first year, Whitehead, second year, Edwards, second year, Jamel Dean, second year, Sean Murphy Bunning, second year, Carlton Davis, fourth year, Devin White, second year. Now you start getting into some of the veteran guys, but Levante David's the most underrated player in the, maybe the history of the NFL. JPP hasn't played 10 years. Shaq Barrett's just entered in his career. Vita Vea, third year. That defense is going to be ridiculous for years to come. But I think we don't look at them in that light because they weren't dominant all year. By the way, it was the first time since week five they put out their, their starting 11 on defense. It was the Super Bowl. That's a, that's a big deal. I don't think anybody can overlook that either. All right, well, Jake, I thought they had the 32nd uh, best secondary in the NFL. <laughs> According to ESPN, they did. And don't – and listen, after my boys, after my own heart, oh, they let them have it. Oh, did they let them have it on social media? They're like, 32nd ranked this. <laughs> With Antoine Winfield Jr. throwing up the peace sign. I was like, yeah. Uh, it's personal, man. And, and, and that team took the Tom Brady bulletin board material – to heart and it happened and we've talked about it with tom for a long time that he manufactures stuff it's the same thing michael jordan did you give them one little inch and they're gonna take a mile and my boy tyron matthew whom i love he gave tom an inch and it and tom took a mile you give him any little bit of reason to want to kick your ass and he's gonna do it and that's what happened you give him any little extra bit and, and I already saw the bit that's on the bulletin board material for the 2022 Super Bowl. Because ESPN, after watching an absolute ass whooping on national TV, the second the game ends, somehow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the fourth ranked team coming into the 2022 season. I'm going, what in the hell am I watching? Like, I just, I look at it and I'm like, this, you. You, you must, you must absolutely want for Tom Brady to win. Because you are putting these things out into the universe that he definitely sees. Okay, we all know. This dude sees everything. It's already on the bulletin. I guarantee. He's already looked at it. The team's already reacted to it. There's been players that have already reacted to it. The team the team account gave it the uh, Nick Young meme, right? Uh, right off the top. They're all like, because it just doesn't even make any sense. You're just like, you just watch that team kick everyone's ass. And, okay, maybe you want to put the Chiefs as one. Still don't agree, but sure. At least in the top two. Apparently not. Apparently not. Thank you. I, I saw. I looked at it and I was like, "Wow, you guys just can't. You can't take it. They can't, they help, can't help themselves. They can't help. I mean, they literally. Do you guys think Tom would... has already cleaned off the board for this year, and that's already up oh, there? Yeah. So starting next 100%. year, he's like a pile of starting twenty twenty one. 
and he's like, oh, yeah, no, no. He's, he's already, week. I agree. I think he probably like in the two hours of sleep in his daughter's bed because his bed was full of his nieces and nephews. Woke up after that, went cleared the bore off, and went. Oh, what can I find today to start next year? Because it starts now. Boom. What was what, what were their ch- what were their chance that they were doing? Remember Belichick on on the float. What was it? What were the chance that they were doing? You guys remember when they won the Super Bowl uh, and it was like. It was like that they were like moving on to the next thing, and you're just like watching them, and you're like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Right? But I watched, I watched Bruce. No days off, wasn't he? No days off. off, That's right, no days off. And everybody's looking at Bill's trying to get a chant going, going, "No days off," and everybody's just kind of like, "Uh, Bill, we're all just trying to party out here for the Super Bowl," and this dude's like, "No (laughs) days off, no days off." But I saw Bruce could watch film that day. Oh, he was very upset. He's like, I'm on the float. I could be watching. (laughs) (laughs) He was very upset. But Pops was on with Roger Goodell and Tom Brady, and they're doing their press conference. And one of the reporters, I think it was Rick Stroud or one of the guys that covered it in Tampa, you know, asked Bruce and Tom, but Bruce first, how long are you going to enjoy this for? And Bruce was already, we're focused on next year. And I was like, I was like, here we go. Like 24 hours, like, it's the, it's hard, man. You win and Tom's there. And then all of a sudden you're like, like to Jake's point, fuck teams could get better. They should get better theoretically. And you already got Mike Evans saying, I'm going to, I'm going to restructure my deal so I can make sure that we keep this team together. The team has a special feeling around it. And that's, that's the Tom Brady, that's the Tom Brady effect. Right. That is him getting people like Leonard Fournette to take less money to come play. That is what he brings to the table. That is part of that goat conversation that Chris brought up earlier, where you're talking about him taking pay cuts because he wants to win more than anything else that factors in. There's nothing wrong with getting your money. This show has always been pro getting your money. We have always been that way forever. And I will always be that way, but you can't, you can't have it both. You can't have it both ways because when you've got Tom and that's the, that's the other threshold, it, it's, you have to look at that and factor that in. All right, guys, let's tie a bow on the Super Bowl conversation. Um, any other parting thoughts here on this? And then we can make fun of me for the Carson Wentz trade that inevitably is going to happen because I'm well aware that it's going to happen. And I'm quite sure that it's going to be uh a disaster for me on the show when it inevitably comes out, but any parting thoughts on Super Bowl stuff, I'll let you go first, Jake. Just how un- unbelievable it was. I go back to what Jamie said. You, th- you sit there and put all that stuff together and how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. And I don't know if it hasn't hit me yet or if I really bought in that much to this team could get hot and win it. As unbelievable it is, and other than that one emotional embrace with the four of us talking about that and being on the field and seeing the confetti and all that kind of stuff, it's almost anticlimactic. I, I kind of like talked myself into, they, they literally can pull this off and I bought in and I'm really buying into, they can be better next year. I, I really am. I, I, they pulled this one off. I don't see why, if they stay healthy, that the NFC is going to be loaded, but I think they can, they have a path to win the division. They're going to be there again. I just want to soak it in and not get into this, like, okay, same thing of the 20 years of Brady in, in New England, and he's still doing it somewhere else. I don't want to not appreciate how awesome and how hard this season was because Tom just does it every freaking year, man. Like it's, it's crazy. It was, I don't want to like lose the context of they were what seven and two going into the buy seven and five lost three out of four. 
get to the bottom, and then just rip off eight straight. That's un that's un that doesn't happen, guys. Like that's you're down seventeen nothing in one of those eight straight to the Falcons on the road. That if you lose, you might not make the playoffs. And now you score thirty one in the second half and blow their doors off. It never slowed down. There's so many things. I just I think I need more time to like sit back and reflect and soak it all in. But I want to just bask in the glory of wow they pulled it off and I don't think I'm there yet no it's hard it's hard while you're in it right it's hard while you're in it and living it and hanging out with your dad and everybody else there and everybody's you know it's the job it's like okay free agencies he said it on the show he's like free agency's coming up man like I got to start talking to these guys I got to make sure I can keep this team together like that's yeah before that's that you had a goes. bunch of coaches that you want to you know work out new contracts make sure everybody's yep. happy there and they got their their deal and their pie before you get to free agency and then you're working on the draft in a crazy year yep. uh yeah it's there's a lot to it but I love the fact that we're sitting here a couple of days later and he, he's ready to go into the office and start talking about all that stuff it's it's uh nice to see the uh glimmer in the eye of like yep I'm pumped. Like it's, it feels good to, to win, but I, you get a little taste and you want a little more. That's it's, and obviously Tom Brady can do that, that, that coaching staff, everything that put together this year. Um, it's funny. I thought they hated each other. It's interesting how that narrative in November changed. Cause hmm, checks notes, Josh McDaniels is in fact, not the head coach of the Buccaneers and Bruce is in fact, not at the lake. So Greenberg, you will be on the list, pal. Don't you worry. I got everybody on this list. Jamie, parting thoughts on Super Bowl stuff before uh, the sadness, a.k.a. the Carson Wentz talk. Uh, two things for me. Um, my, there's a couple things I want to touch on here. One is I think the underrated aspect of what we've been able to talk about, an underrated aspect going into next year, is that both of these teams are going to basically bring back their entire coaching staffs. And I think that that is huge. And I, I think we've reached a point in the coaching cycle where things have gotten so far ahead of themselves in the NFL now that it's actively to the detriment of teams. The league has progressed in many ways from a schematic standpoint, from a, a team building standpoint, from a cap standpoint. But one area where I do think we need to go back in time is, and, and again, look, there's nothing that's stopping these teams from doing this other than themselves. So there's, there's no one to blame here, but waiting until after Super Bowl to put your team together. There seems to be this just mad frenzy that we have to have a coach in place right away. We have to have a coach in place within two weeks of the end of the regular season or we're doomed for eternity. That's never the way this happened. I remember back in my day as a millennial, I do remember when the hottest coaching candidates were what? The winning offensive and defensive coordinator of the Super Bowl. That was who everybody was waiting for every single year. They would go like, that was the crown jewel. Can we bring in, like I remember, the, the crown jewel was bringing in Ken Wisenhunt after being the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh for that Super Bowl 40 win. Like that was like, that's what you did. You Oof. waited for the Super Ken Wisenhunt had a run in Arizona, by the way, for a team that did nothing ever. Yeah. Don't, right, don't oof fair. me, Chris. Right, Taking fair. that to right, Cardinals right. team the Super Bowl, given right, what that enough, franchise has been through. Yeah. Uh, with Erickson and, and I love Denny Green to death, but like they never won in, in Arizona. Like, that was a hell of an accomplishment from that team. But regardless there, but the crown jewel was always, we're going to bring in the, the winning or even losing offensive and defensive coordinators. Like those would be the, the big interviews that everybody would sit around and wait for. And the bidding war wasn't going to be the hired the first coach. It was who can we hire one of those guys? I, I sit back now 
And with all due respect to everybody that got hired, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to name any names because I, it's not fair of me. I don't know these guys personally. I don't know these coaches. I don't know what they're going to be. But there are a few coaches out there that I, and a few teams out there that I wonder, was Todd Bowles, was Byron Lefwich, Eric Bieniemy, even Steve Spagnuolo to a certain extent, would those people be better choices than the ones you made in, let's say, hypothetically, a team in Pennsylvania and a team in Michigan? I don't want to name any names. Would those have been better choices for you? I don't know. I'm not, not, I'm sorry, I'm not knocking Sirianni and Dan Campbell. I don't know who they – I don't know them personally. They could, be, they could be perfectly fine. But would these guys not at least give you some pause? Were they not worth at least waiting to see? Did you really have to go out there and make sure nobody stole Dan Campbell and Nick Sirianni from you? And I'm not saying those guys aren't good. I like the Sirianni hire. I know everyone's mad because he had a bad press conference, but you know what? Press conferences don't win football games, so I don't care about that. And, and I think Sirianni could, if he wasn't going to get hired this cycle, he was going to be a hot name next cycle. So I have no issue with them in a vacuum. My issue is, is did you really need to rush to make those guys your head coach when you could have waited for some of these better options? But the fact that they didn't is a huge boon for the Buccaneers and the Chiefs next year, that they're going to bring back, for the most part, almost their entire very talented staffs across the board, which would be a huge thing if either one of these teams wants to get back to Super Bowl, Kansas City for the third time in a row, Tampa Bay for the second time in a row. So that's an underrated element. The other thing in my, my soliloquy here that I want to talk about is this is what it's all about for fans. And I want to bring that home because I love all the offseason stuff. I love the front office stuff. We're obviously the draft network. We bring you through the entire life cycle of, of building a team, the free agency, the draft, scouting, what you need to know. But you don't lose sight of the fact is everybody is doing all of that for what happened Sunday night. That is the goal. Never lose sight of what the end goal is here. It's not to have the best draft class. It's not to win free agency. It's not to win the head coaching press conference. It's not to win a few games in September. The goal of all of this is to win the Super Bowl. So if you're a Buccaneers fan, enjoy it. Enjoy it for as long. You don't have to be back in the film room. So enjoy it for as long as you possibly can because these, these moments are fleeting. They're few and far between, even for the best teams in, in history. They're few and far between because I guarantee you now there are Patriots fans, spoiled, rotten Patriots fans. They're going to be sad right now as they should be. They got used. They loved winning. They got used to winning and it looks like it's going to be a while before they're winning again. These moments will come and pass. You're not going to win every Super Bowl ever. Yes. The world's smallest violin as Chris is doing. I'm not, I don't trust me. I do not feel bad for Boston sports fans, but this is what the goal is. Even if you think your team can repeat next year, even if, you're, even if you think you can get back there and win a second one with Tom Brady, enjoy every moment because this is what it's all for. And I think sometimes in our sports world we live in, not just football, but the sports world we live in in general, we are losing sight of the final mission, the final goal, and it's to win the Super Bowl. So enjoy this. And if you're a team that didn't win it, do the fan version of being the losing team that watches on the field and sits there and watch the confetti fall. How does my team get there? How do I, as a fan, get the enjoyment that I'm watching my friends that are Bucks fans or Bucks fans on social media? How do I get there? That is the end goal. And just say, never lose sight of this because I think we are, and more often than not, we are losing sight of what this mission is. We're not playing games to play games. We're not playing games to win draft classes. We're playing games to win the Super Bowl. Everything goes into that. And we'll help you throughout the year of showing you what players we think your team can add to get to that point. Just don't lose sight of what the final destination is. What did I tell you guys earlier about 
this football team. I said, what we're doing at the Draft Network is we're showing you the full life cycle of the NFL. While the case in point, being able to do everything that it takes to win in the NFL is being able to draft well, being able to, uh, being able to say, yeah, you know what this team needs? Tristan Works, Antoine Winfield Jr., two key, key pieces that came out of the 2020 draft that played in this 2020 football season and took part in this football team winning a Super Bowl. You know what else did that? Free agency. Look at Tom Brady. That is the free agent move of, the, of all time for the Buccaneers, okay? And that's exactly what it took. It took them having a plan, going down. Bruce has talked about it a lot. Jason Light has talked about it a lot. Having to talk to Tom and pitch Tom on what this was going to look like and how this team was, in fact, this piece away. And it took that conversation, multiple conversations, to say, you know what? This team, we know what you saw. We know the record said seven and nine. But this is the talent that this team has. And as Bruce said, the team needed to learn how to win. And who knows how to win more or better than Tom Brady? Nobody. Nobody does. And for the longest time, we had this conversation. And I'm sure Chris has been sick of it for a long time as a Jets fan, right? You're hearing about Belichick and Brady, and you're hearing, who's, who brought the culture? Who was it? It was always Bill or Tom. Who, when you walked in, who brought that, that, that level of you need, this is business. And the answer is both. That is the answer. And I know that that's not the fun answer. And I know that's not the answer that you're looking for. But that is the truth. The truth is, if you talk to Bruce Arians, as I had many times throughout the season and right after a Super Bowl win, the conversation around what Tom taught this football team, including things that he would say. He said, I would say three weeks in a row telling a guy to run through his route and move his arms. Tom says it once, player fixes the issue. It's a different, Tom Brady brings something different. When you win that much, you bring a different level to the team. Bill Belichick still has that, guys. And, and I understand he didn't win this year, but he still has a mystique to him. He still has this, it is business, and it was both. And it's okay to say that out loud. I know that that's hard for everybody because you want to pin 1v1, but they both benefited from each other. They both learned from each other, and they both created this atmosphere in New England that Tom now really took the best of and went to a really, really damn good established coaching staff, probably the best in the NFL when you go top to bottom, including the Tom Moores of the world and Harold Goodwin as an offensive line coach who could be a head coach somewhere. That's what he had. He didn't walk into a, a coaching staff full of a bunch of guys who don't know what the hell they're doing, and he did it all. He had a New England head coaching staff. He had a bunch of guys who were really smart. The answer is both. And I know that that is the conversation. That's the next piece of this because we've all been waiting for one to fail without the other. And I understand in this season, you can look at Belichick and you can go, yeah, he failed. That team, the fact that they won that many games is actually quite frankly a miracle with how little talent is on the football field. And, and they will figure out a way to be back. He's still the best coach that I've ever watched. And I, 
other than Nick Saban, who in, is in a whole, the two of them just watch the HBO documentary and never ask questions again because the two of them are on a different playing field. But that, that's the other part of this narrative that has existed all year long, which is everybody was, as Jamie was talking about earlier, we're like rooting for heroes. We're rooting for people to fail. We're rooting against greatness. It's okay to admit that Tom Brady is great without Bill and Bill can probably be great without Tom. And that it could be determined, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that Belichick is a really, really damn good coach and it doesn't matter what happens in the future. He's probably going to find a way to make his team really good again because he's really, really good at what he does. And it's okay to admit that it's both. And on that point quickly, Paige, just so I, we could take up all of Chris's time. Um, it, it's, there's always this need for there to be a winner. This is the culture. This is the culture we live in now. It's it's LeBron versus Jordan. It's but to me the the Brady versus Belichick stuff's always been stupid. Like, it, like they they won well together, doesn't mean they can't have success apart. And to me, this goes back to competing narratives. I can't have the same people telling me that the defense is the only reason why Brady won early in his career, and also tell me Brady's the only reason why Belichick won those Super Bowls. It it doesn't compute. It it it's not congruent. They won together. This is, this is, this is and, and obviously they were together a lot longer than these guys, but this is a Bill Gates, Steve Jobs deal. Mm. Just because you have two elite thinkers of whatever field they're in together and then they split apart doesn't make them any smarter or less smart or whatever it is. Like they are both Hall of Fame generational type human beings at their respective positions of, of quarterback and head coach. And that's not going to change. Uh, but it is very impressive for Tom to be able to do what he did this year because to me I think he was the one that more people because they've been wanting to knock Tom Brady down for so long he was the one that was going to be easier to knock down if he didn't have success than it was going to be Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick is the organization and Bill mm-hmm. Belichick as a coach is great Bill Belichick as a GM hasn't been as great and you wonder if, if Bill Belichick had as good of a GM as he was as a coach what uh, what an elongated run would have been but to act like it was only one of these guys is ridiculous. No. I, the teams that Bill Belichick, the schemes that he had on the defensive side of the ball that he put together for decades were a huge reason why. And Tom Brady's maturation as a quarterback became a huge reason why. Tom Brady wasn't the principal point of contact for those early 2000 Super Bowl wins for the Patriots. He was later in his career. Like the scripts flipped on them. And in a way that it hasn't for a guy that, that Chris brought up earlier, Russell Wilson. I'm not knocking Wilson, but Wilson won those Super Bowls a lot like Tom Brady did. It was a key component, but not the key component. Now Russell Wilson has grown since that period of time into a megastar and one of the best players in the world in his position, but the rest of the team around him and the coaching around him, even though it's the same coaching, at least at the top, the same coaching staff, hasn't been as good. Like, there's just no reason. Look, I would love to discredit the Patriots. Nothing makes me happier than discrediting anything Boston. I've said this already, but you can't do it. It's okay no. to admit both are great. They're both no. all-timers. Like, there's just there's, – there's no way around it. I, 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 so, I agree. I, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up that point, Paige, because I think that's going to be the second step here that we're going to ease into now that the Super Bowl shadow is getting lighter and lighter. It's going to end up being, well, this proves that, that Belichick's trash or Belichick isn't good or Belichick can't win without Brady. Like, like okay. Like, if we're, just, we're really going to run down this narrative, we're really going to do I, this. I just can't – I can't handle the level of – everything has to be a hot take, right? Everything has to be, as you said, there's got to be a winner and a loser in every scenario, which is just not accurate. 
It's the same Patrick Mahomes thing that I said earlier. It is okay to say Patrick Mahomes is elite. He is the number one undisputed. If we were drafting right now, no, I wouldn't even think for one second before I said Patrick Mahomes. But he didn't play his best game. Those things can both be true. I don't understand why it is so hard for everybody to just have an honest conversation about what you are watching in sports because that is the truth. It is just honesty about what you're watching. And I know that it's maybe not the thing you want to hear, but I don't want to be Stephen A. Smith and I don't want to hear a hundred Stephen A. Smiths all day long. It's insanity that that's the place we've reached in journalism because that's what we're at. We've never had access to more information and we've never been dumber. And and what I mean by that, and I don't don't mean fans. I mean, what is being shoved down our throats in terms of like these narratives? And and it's, this game was never just Mahomes versus Brady. That's the headline. And we talked about this. We talked about this on on our Brinks TV show we did all week. Yes, that's a huge factor. The two starting quarterbacks, a, a Hall of Famer and a likely Hall of Famer if things keep up. That's obviously a huge storyline, but that's not the only thing happening in this game. But when you make it that, and, and, and I understand there's, there, there's this, we're in the content production business. I, I, I hand out dozens and dozens of content ideas on a weekly basis. I understand the need for finding this stuff. But if you go look at our site and I look at our coverage leading up to the Super Bowl, we, dis, we discussed Mahomes and Brady plenty, but that wasn't the only thing we discussed. When you create that narrative, you're then boxed into then there's a winner and there's a loser. And, and when, you, when you create it, it's only Brady versus only Mahomes. The, the other guys on the field or you know, whatever, they don't exist. It's really just one-on-one. They're playing a video game. When you do this, then you're forced into a position where if one, when one of them loses, because it's inevitable, we don't have ties in the Super Bowl, one of them's going to lose. And it has to be, oh, well, well, they suck. They messed up. They weren't this. They were, you know, it, it just it doesn't need to be that way. Like nothing changed about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes played as good as he could in that situation, but it was still the worst game of his career. He had a bad game. His teammates had worse games. It is what it is. Mahomes isn't the problem. Brady wasn't the only reason why the Bucs won. None of those things are true. But Mahomes was part of the reason why they lost. And Brady was a big part of the reason why they won. It's okay. We can have nuance. We can have shades of gray. We talk about this in sports takes all the time. It's no. not as cut and dry as everybody likes to make it, but we, we want to live in, we want to live in the infographic world where we have one white line that splits down the middle and we've got one side and we've got the other side. We've got a winner. We've got a loser. We've got one player versus one player. That's it. That's the whole game. And it's not the whole game. It never was the whole game. And if you watched it with your own two eyes, you knew that the game was won as we told you it would be in this case, or I should say, as we suspected it would be in this case, when it was the Bucks DL versus the Chiefs OL, that was what we said. That's the key matchup. We see there's a weakness there that can that you can exploit any quarterback if you get enough pressure in their face. I've watched it happen. That's what happened here, and it's okay. And you play once, not a best of seven. You play once. It's it's okay. It's okay to to say to see things. It's okay for these guys to have bad games. We watched. I mean, we literally watched the Chiefs lose to the Raiders this year. Thank like, you. It's not. It's not Eric Carr looked like teams. a freaking MVP against watched, that defense when they played twice. We watched Tom Brady lose to the. We watched somebody lose to the freaking Bears. Like we have seen these things happen this year. It's okay. These bad games happen. Don't make it all about one player or one one narrative or one legacy. Like nobody, aside from Tom Brady getting an extra boost, nobody's legacy changed. No, Patrick Mahomes isn't. His legacy didn't get worse. 
Andy Reid's legacy didn't get worse. Like nothing else. It, it's it just I don't know. It, it's just frustrating to me because we always try. We we have access to so much information, and we have we have more access to players than ever, more access to film than ever, more access to analysis than ever, and yet we still fall back into these. It's player A versus player B. That's the only thing that matters. Like no, and, it's not. And that is why I am hopeful. And and you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you check out thedraftnetwork.com. But this is my opportunity to tell you, like. Obviously, I'm biased towards my, my own staff, um, but the, the content that is being created on a day-in and day-out basis, the conversations happening with our scouting department, the conversations happening in the content meetings, the things that are being produced and talked about on the podcast across, I'm very proud of the work that everybody is doing because the difference between being able to have a conversation that's in-depth and not is actually doing the work. That's the difference. When you actually watch football games, when you actually watch film, when you actually talk to coaches, you have the ability to have good conversations that are thoughtful and genuine, and you can bring up points. But when you talk out of your ass, Mike Greenberg, you, you make up storylines that are non-existent, a.k.a. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians never, I repeat, never had any issues with each other at all throughout this process. If you go back to November, you would think Chris could pull a hundred clips, and that is low, a hundred, of national members of the media absolutely dunking on Bruce Arians. Literally, in the end of November, when they are seven and five, absolutely losing their minds about how Tom Brady hates Bruce Arians. He's going to be literally, that is a quote that he was going to be at the lake. Okay. That's their forever home. Their forever home is in Georgia on a lake, Lake Oconee. And that Tom Brady was going to hand select Josh McDaniels to leave New England to come down and coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is the conversation that was happening two months ago. That is insanity because nobody got that information from Tom Brady. Nobody got that information from Bruce Arians. It was, I'm going to look at the outside and I'm going to make something up because it's easy and they're having a tough time. So you know what? I'm going to go with it. And that's embarrassing. Honestly, it is. It is embarrassing that that is the place at which people that I used to really look up to in the sports media industry, that is the level of work that we're doing to come to a show. Because that, that's just not, not going to cut it. And it shouldn't cut it, but apparently it does now. So if Chris came to the show, and Chris is an excellent producer, he's a wonderful host, those are the nicest things I'm ever going to say about Chris on any platform ever. Chris but, on this show? But it's true. He's very good at what he does. He, bring, he does a lot of work. He puts in a lot of hours to be able to have set opinions about things that he's talking about. That when he says something like the Rams are the best team in the NFC, right? I understand that it's a hot take, but it comes from a place of like, he genuinely believes that and he's wrong. And that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to have takes. I'm not telling you not to have takes. I'm telling you to have takes that are backed up by something other than you just wanting to talk about nothing. You just want to get out there and put your take out there. And that's the line that we have to deal with all the time. And, and Jamie does an excellent job of that. Jake does an excellent job of that. Chris does an excellent job of that. And I just sit here and steer the ship and make sure it doesn't go off the rails, of which I never do because it's always off the rails, including right now. So 
let's end this let's end this podcast by talking very quickly five minute, minutes wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you guys, did a lot, you guys we you took guys up your lot, time you guys you guys did a lot of talking there i didn't get an answer brady or belichick who's better oh christ i knew you were gonna ask me go you away guys, you just talked in circles you didn't answer the question you avoided the question who's better Brady? because because i said both that was the answer to my question was who was it about and it's about both because that's what can't pick. that's sitting on the fence unbelievable I don't want it because that's the question that people. Oh, no, it's ridiculous. I was, I'm just kidding. I just, you, you guys I know, just, you know, it's who's the culture question, who, who built the culture in new England. Yes. In fact, one person built an entire two decades of culture and it had absolutely nothing to do with the other one. Carson Wentz, baby. Let's go. Oh God. Let's okay. talk about Carson Wentz, future bears legend. Perfect transition, Chris. Um, here's the thing, bears fans. Okay huddle around whatever device that you are sitting around everybody, with me everybody for a moment closer to, to your to your listening device just gather and get get nice and close yeah here here's the thing the bears options are not great okay jamie told you this couple about a month and a half ago and we were looking at the situation and we were going guess what your best option probably mitchell trubisky coming back on a, on a short deal not paying him a whole lot i know nobody likes that option so let's throw that option out the alternative option is Nick Foles being the starting quarterback, and I personally am throwing that option out. Not interested in that option, okay? So what are the other options here? Deshaun Watson, they're not in the sweepstakes. Let me, let me just tell you right now, they're not. They've called. They've tried. It's not happening. One, Deshaun does not want to play there. He feels some type of way about that organization. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why. And – they don't have enough draft capital to compete with the other teams that are going to be in the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson. Okay. So let's, let's just, I know everybody wants to do that. They should have drafted him a long time ago. I will gladly come back on the show and admit about being so freaking wrong. I will be the happiest person on planet earth to be wrong. Okay. Nobody could be happier being wrong than me. If this is the scenario that plays out. But the people that I know in Chicago, the people that I know within the organization and the people close to Deshaun, it's not happening. He does not want to go to Chicago and he holds the cards. If he doesn't want to go, the trade is not happening. And Houston can get more from other, from other players. So insert the other conversations, right? Who are the other players here that, that they have an opportunity at potentially playing quarterback? Obviously Stafford Goff already moved on. So those are not options. So the options available to them you know, Kirk Cousins has been on the move. Sweet Jesus, no, okay? Well, that's not happening. We're not trading to get Kirk Cousins. I saw somebody say that, and the bot had a heart attack, okay? It makes sense maybe to go to, to Kyle Shanahan. Maybe he can get the best version of Kirk Cousins, but good Lord, no. The, the, one can't, of the better, can't lose they, to the Bears if you're on the Bears page. Just think yes, about it. Can't I know. lose to the Bears if you're I on love the that. Bears. Very smart, very smart. Um. So the available options to them are, okay, they stay at 20, right? Who, what quarterback is going to be available at 20? Probably a Mac Jones. Oh, yeah. Mac Jones, baby. Okay. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, boy. Oh, oh Chris. I, was, I tried to make, I said, I tried to make said the all those nice the things yeah, about no, you. No, it, it won't leave the station. Page. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I said all these sorry. nice we'll things. Your, yeah, we'll take sorry. exposed your All right, we'll try uh, it again here. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe it'll leave the station now. Let's see. Let's see if we nah, can get it going here. No, nope, no. Nope. Listen, station. that's why you sorry, want to know what, why. You know what? It's not Mac Jones. My bad. My, nope. fault. So My fault. That's exactly right. There's no hype train for Mac Jones. Uh, Kyle Trask, please, dear God, Bears fans, no. 
Oh, in the fourth no. round? Yeah, thank you. Uh, this, let me just tell you, no, a resounding no, no. Do we okay? want to tra- see if the Kyle Trask train will leave the station? Maybe that's the one. Maybe that'll work. Let's see. Let's see. No. Oh, it will leave the oh, station. Jesus. Kyle Trask, oh. it will leave the station. Okay, so it's Kyle Trask. Eh? That right. will be the end of my time as a Bears fan. I am officially putting that out there. If they draft Kyle Trask to start him in, a, in the year 2021, I will no longer be rooting for this football team. Um, okay, moving on. There, basically, there's not going to be great options at 20. That's what I'm getting at. You're not getting – you're not in the sweepstakes for the top guys. You're going to be getting a guy who there's question marks around. Probably a Mac Jones, okay? Probably going to be your best option at 20. So Carson Wentz enters the chat, okay? This is the, this is the available option right now. I have talked about this with multiple people, including Jake and Bruce, on the phone, just kind of walking through the scenario, right? As they're basically giving me therapy, okay? This is what this conversation was. I called them to talk to them about the Super Bowl and somehow, some way, we made it about the Bears and Carson Wentz, right? Because obviously I needed somebody much smarter than me about football to tell me how I should feel about this conversation. Bruce loves Carson, but said he's got some serious damaged goods. Like that is the way that's, that's the way we're talking about him, right? This, this year has been really tough on him mentally, and it's going to take a lot for him to get back to being the guy that he was. So I understand the upside. I understand where he could be. I've seen it. I've watched it not that long ago, but I also know as a bears fan, my entire life, this organization does not have a history of being able to coach up quarterbacks as in ever, as in history of organization, as in one of the longest organizations in the history of the NFL, as in period ever, never, okay? So I understand why there's a little bit of excitement because it's Carson Wentz. I get it. But the problem for me is I don't trust Matt Nagy and that coaching staff to be able to get the best version out of Carson Wentz. I do not think that they can do it. I don't have faith in them. I think a guy like maybe a Kyle Shanahan would be in a position to be able to coach up a guy like Carson Wentz and get the best out of him. But I don't think that's going to happen in Chicago. And I understand that the alternative options are basically shit. There's not a lot of other great options. You've seen Mitch. You've seen Nick Foles. But you can keep Mitch on a shorter deal that isn't a lot of money and you can try and run it back. And I don't know. It's just, we're in purgatory guys and it sucks and there's nothing we can do about it. And I don't really know how to paint a better picture. So bears fans want me to have a take. I don't have one because this sucks. That's the take. Jamie, can I jump in here first real quick? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I, I think the take here is that you should be running from the Hills at the thought of trading a first round pick for Carson Wentz. That's the take. That if that is what it is going to take to get Carson Wentz out of Philly, run for the hills. Nothing against Carson Wentz's talent. This is a risk-reward analysis. We talked earlier in the show when, when discussing the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in that contract, opportunity cost, right? This is an opportunity cost thing, right? By trading a first-round pick and taking on that Carson Wentz contract, you're saying either one of two things. One He's going to be really good here. We're going to be the team that figures it out, and we're going to achieve all these great things and potentially be able to play in a Super Bowl. Okay, that's one option. Or option two, you're stuck with the contract that Philly was stuck with, and you have to find a sucker like you were the sucker for Philly. And I just don't know if you're going to be able to repeat that process. If Philly's able to find somebody to trade for that no, contract once. I'm out of here. Once, I'm out. Right? 
I don't know if they're going to be, I don't know if, you, if the Bears are then going to be able to find somebody else to do it. Now, maybe because the contract gets shorter, you can find somebody. Well, but I, it just, I just don't, this makes no nope. sense to me. I, I would rather, I would rather draft somebody at 20 or trade 20 for Sam Darnold and go that direction than to, to associate myself with this contract that is a disaster. Here's the issue here. And this goes back to understanding where your team is in the NFL life cycle. This is why you're better off moving on a year too early than a year too late. Because what the Bears organization has done by allowing Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to, to come back for this season is you have created a, a situation of desperation. They are going, I am not going to be employed this time next year if I don't win. So what they're not doing and particularly in the case of Ryan Pace, what he's not doing is the job that a general manager should be doing, which is looking at the long-term outlook of the organization and putting them in the best position to win, not just now, but down the road and understanding where they are as a team. They are not winning the Super Bowl next year. They're not winning the Super Bowl next year unless Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes make their, or Russell Wilson makes their way to Chicago. It's not happening. They're in a, really, they're in a position where they're probably going to lose their best offensive player to free agency. They might be able to tag him, but I don't know if that's going to, if Allen Robinson's really going to want to be there. Maybe he plays on the tag. Maybe you trade him at the deadline, something like that. But it does not look like at this moment, there's a long-term future in Chicago for Allen Robinson. I hope I'm wrong, but right now it does not look like that's the case, unless he's really pushing for you to trade for Carson Wentz. The issue here for me is this is a team that you went all in these last couple of years and you missed. You're paying the piper for that now. You're paying the piper for trading two first-round picks for Khalil Mack. I'm not saying that was bad. I'm just saying you swung for the fences. It looked like you were on your way. You weren't. You went 12-4. How many playoff games did you win? What happened the next year? So I don't blame them for trying. I like them to make that move. And Khalil Mack has been a disruptor, but you didn't, you didn't end up winning. So unfortunately, it didn't work out the way you hoped it would. You doubled down by handing out big money to Tariq Cohen, to handing out to Danny Trevathan handing out to Robert Quinn to be opposite of that. Those are blowing up in your face at the moment, okay? You're now in this spot where you're not really a Super Bowl contender. You're not really a top three draft pick contender, but you're kind of in, as Paige said, purgatory. But what you have done here is instead of riding this out for a couple years and being able to get rid of some of those bad contracts, maybe be able to move Khalil Mack, maybe a tag and trade for Allen Robinson – being able to put yourself in position to say, you know what, we, we took a swing. We thought we had it. We didn't. We need to reset. They're going to try to put enough Band-Aids on this to hope they can be a wild card team next year again. And they probably – and they'll have a chance. I, I, I'm, but I'm not saying – for when specifically – I'm not saying he's completely unfixable. I don't know if he can be fixed. I don't know that he can't. I know there are a lot of smart people that are smarter than me in the NFL that truly believe that it can be salvaged. I'm not willing to pay a first-round pick price to find out. The contract isn't as terrible for, the, for, for Chicago Acquirer because a lot of those guarantees, a lot of that money up front is already being paid by Philadelphia. But still, even from a contract standpoint, you're paying him as a top 12 or 13 quarterback in terms of what the average quarterback is making right now. If you sign him to a two-year deal at that price, let's say a two-year $50 million deal as a free agent, I'd say, you know what, that's, that's the risk I think is worth taking given the lack of other options Chicago has. But to move your first-round pick to make this happen after all the other misses you've done doesn't make sense to me because I think you're, even if, if Carson Wentz gets back to three-quarters of what he was his MVP season, you're a 10-win team, 
Mm-hmm. Wild card team? Are you are you gonna go? Are you gonna are you a better team than Tampa? Are you a better team than Green Bay? Are you a better team? You know, like, are you gonna do anything more than win maybe a playoff game? I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I'm just saying that's your best case scenario here. The worst case scenario here is you miss the playoffs or you're the seventh seed in the wild card spot again, lose again on wild card weekend. You literally have made no progress. Now you don't have the first round pick. You might not have Allen Robinson anymore. You're still dealing with all these bad contracts. You're not gonna have a new head coach, a new GM. You just wasted a year and you wasted the top 20 pick to find this out. So that's where I look at this and I go, this is the desperation you create when you don't make that move with Pace and Nagy. You have forced them into a situation where they are going to do everything they can their future be damned in order to try to save their jobs right now. Of course. And this of course. is the scenario that plays out. And by the way, I don't know what these other pieces might have to be. And I know that the, the Eagles are going to pit the Colts against the Bears as they should in this scenario. I know we, we've heard Cohen and Foles and all that stuff. The issue with me is like you just paid Cohen and you actually lose cap space by moving Cohen. Like you literally lose the, the yeah. dead cap hit is greater than his current cap hit. So the, and you've already paid out those initial bonuses. So like, I don't understand the logic there of why you would make that move at that point. Or also why Philadelphia wants to recover when they already have Boston Scott. So someone's gonna have to break that down for me. But just to me at the surface level of this all, it's a risk that I don't think the Bears can take given where they currently are in their life cycle. It's a risk I don't think the Colts should take given where they are in their life cycle as well. And I know there's like a, you know, DeFilippo is in, in Chicago, Frank Wright's in Indianapolis. Maybe they can fix them. But you're paying sure. a hefty price that if you are wrong, you are in the Colts case, you're setting yourself back from a Super Bowl window. And from the Bears case, you're setting yourself back from a rebuilding window. I just don't think I take that chance. I understand there's not a lot of great options. I understand it's not like, you know, it's not like Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson. Like I, I get it. But there's also sometimes where like you can kick the can down the road. And for the Bears, the kicking the can is you're, you're kicking the can on a rebuild. Like this is not a Super Bowl team right now. You need to take a long, hard look at this roster and where it currently is and what you're going to actually win. And if your goal is to just get to the playoffs again, well, that's nice. That, that's nice for Nagy and that's nice for Pace, but that's not actually not nice for the ultimate goal here, which is how quickly can you bring a Super Bowl back to Chicago? Because I don't think this is going to help them in that <clears throat> I say all that and agree with all that and also qualify my statement by saying if Carson Wentz gets traded to Chicago and he throws for three touchdowns and 300 yards in game one, y'all better be ready for obnoxious pace. <laughs> At least you're willing to admit it that this is going to yes. be a roller coaster, that you're going to hate it, but then once he plays well, you're going to be all I'm going to hate fine. it. I'm going to qualify by saying if they give up a one for it, I'm going to hate, hate it. If they, you should if hate they, it. If they don't give up 20 – and they, and they figure out a way to get this done with anything other than that first-round pick, that's, that's why story. I have to see – yeah, it's a different, a different story. story. Like I still it, think you're a Super Bowl contender, I, but if you're not getting up sure. your first, it makes it so much more palatable. It's, it's, it, it, is, it is much more digestible for me, right, from a risk standpoint, going, yes, the upside, the ceiling of Carson Wentz is significantly higher than any other option that they have available to them. Well, that also, is true. Paige, I think another thing too, and Jamie, I'd love for you to, to, to jump in on this, but you could trade, like the, the trading of the first for Wentz is bad because even if Wentz figures it out, quote unquote, I'll put air quotes around that, and, he's, and he gets back to what we expect from Carson Wentz, you still got other things you need to figure out. So not sure. having the Who's first round pick is a huge loss. So you could, quote unquote, win the trade and Carson Wentz could figure it out. But I don't think Carson Wentz fixes all of your problems. That, that 20th overall pick, or if you give up a first like next year, whatever the case may be, I still think that hurts you. I agree. 
Yes. They, they need they need to time. upgrade. Yeah. He they if I need to know what's going on with Allen Robinson. That's a, that has a huge aspect of this. And maybe he's behind the scenes pushing play on a little bit of this Carson stuff. I don't know that. I don't. I, I'm quite sure that his want slash need to figure out where he's going to go is going to largely be dictated by what the hell the Bears are going to do here. Because I know that he does not want to play with the run it back with the version that they had before. So they're sure if Carson Wentz comes and Allen Robinson stays and they stay at 20 and they get themselves help on the offensive line. Sure. Now in this conversation, because guess what? Their offensive line has had issues for the last few years. They've been aging themselves out. They've been kicking the can on a lot of these guys and hoping things would turn around. Guess what? You need help. You just watch the freaking Super Bowl. Hello, you need offensive line help. It has been something that has been needed for a while. And if you've ever watched a quarterback that needs offensive line help, insert the last season of Carson Wentz. Like what makes you think that he's going to go play behind an offensive line that has issues and be the quarterback that he was before? He's not. That's not going to happen. So the Bears, if this is what their plan is, I'm okay with it with the qualifier that they do not give up the 20th overall pick because they need players in those spots. They do. They, their, their cornerback depth is terrible. You saw Jalen Johnson go down this year and they were going to Buster Screen. Buster Screen cannot play a starting cornerback position. It was atrocious. Right, he, was getting, he was getting worked. Get me started worked. with Buster Screen. He was getting worked. They, have, they need depth like at certain positions. Like- yeah. They, they need to be able to hit on this draft class, okay? And they need to be able to fix the quarterback position. It's almost impossible that both of those things happen. I'm just setting the tone, Bears fans, because it's probably not going to happen. This is where it's tough because I look at this two-year window as this could be a – and I get it. You Look, this is a team where if they get Wentz, Allen Robinson comes back. Like, look, it's not, I don't think Wentz is going to be worse than the quarterback play they've gotten. So they could win eight or nine games. But I, I don't think that's where – that's not where the line is set. To me, you're looking at a very interesting spot in this two-year window where after a couple years, you're going to have to figure out what you're doing with Akeem Hicks. What are you doing with Roquan Smith's next deal? Your other stars are still going to be pretty young. You're going to be at that point finally able to get out of the Robert Quinn deals and the Danny Trevathan deals. And you're going to, you know, one year you'll be out of the Jimmy Graham deal. Like you're starting, you're going to open up a lot of, and, and again, the, the cap space would probably be up significantly by then as we get to, I, I'm hoping we're somewhere normal in three years from now um, yeah. on, on the world front. So if you put all those things together, you're still going to have Eddie Jackson, who's young. You're still going to you have to figure out what you're going to do with um, with Fuller's contract as well. But you know Fuller's not going to be that old. Eddie Jackson's still going to be young. Goldman's going to need a new deal. Hicks is going to need a new deal. Roquan's going to need a new deal. But they're all young enough to still give you Super Bowl caliber play at those positions. Jalen Johnson's going to have a few more years under his belt. You're going to figure out what you want to do with other areas of the team. If you're then able to do that, you have a couple more first round, two or three more first round picks on your team at that point. And you're able to kind of figure out what your quarterback situation is, whether that's a draft pick, whether that's a trade in the next couple of years. And everybody wants to solve their problems today. You're in a spot where you could spike again in a couple seasons. Like you could get out of those bad deals or start to be movable. You'll figure out what you want to do with the running back position. You're going to pay David Montgomery. Or you're, going to, you're going to go with another younger player. You'll have a new coach and GM at that point. Like you're in a spot where you've got your young superstars locked in now, and you'll probably be able to lock them in in a couple of years. But if you push this window out, if you push this potential rebuild out and you go all in on, we think we can fix Carson Wentz 
and you're wrong, or you're even just like half wrong, you're going to be stuck in this purgatory for a long time. And then the question becomes, does that window ever open up fully? Or are you just going to have to be, damn, we hope we win nine games and get hot to end the year. And maybe we have a chance if we get really hot at the right time. Like, that's what it feels like to me. And if, but if they take this risk and Carson Wentz turns back into what he was in 2017, it's the home run of the century. I just think it's sure. a trem- you are paying a tremendous risk right now based on what you saw. There's, Carson Wentz's value has never been lower. To give up a first-round pick for him, if you're the Bears, if you're not right, you set your franchise back five years. Like that's the that's the risk you're taking, because you're in a spot where. But I know I understand they don't have a choice now. And if I'm Ryan Pace, you have to make this move. This is why it goes back to you have to have an organization at the very very tippy top that understands where they are, because by by bringing Pace back this year, you have you've effectively told him. You need to do whatever you can to win in 2021, period, end of story. We don't care. And if that wasn't what you said, then you don't bring them back. You, you cannot put a general manager and head coach in a, not just a hot seat of we're dangling you over the ledge and the chair is tipping and say, if you do that scenario, you are telling them they have to win right now. They have to preserve their careers and their livelihoods immediately. That is what you have told them. So what they're going to do is make those decisions to win next year. And if those are incongruent with what your long-term goals are, long-term goals are going to be damned. Otherwise you should have made that change. And they didn't. So good luck. I, mean, I, I hope, I'm, look, I hope I'm, I want Wentz to be better. I hope yep. he is. I want the bears to be better. I, I just, but I just, I think there's just, I, I am shocked. I am as crazy as this quarterback market has been this year. I am shocked that the Eagles might get a first round pick for Carson Wentz, given the season we just saw from him. I just, I'm blown away by it. If there's anybody that'll do it, it'll be the Bears. So I just get like, just settle yourselves in, Bears fans. Buckle up. We know how this goes. I've watched this team my whole 30 years of life. There's a better chance that they're going to mess this up than they're going to get it right. So just prepare accordingly. I, as I said earlier, I will be the happiest person alive to be wrong if Deshaun Watson comes to Chicago, and I will be the happiest person alive. If Carson Wentz turns into 2017 Carson Wentz and you bet your ass, I will be running around in a Wentz Jersey claiming that I was here and happy the whole damn time. And you guys will pull the receipts on me live on the show. And we will all laugh about it because inevitably that was, that is what will happen one way or the other. I'm going to get receipts pulled on me because I'm either going to be happy about it or I'm going to be pissed off. Right. But this is the roller coaster ride that I ride with the bears. You guys know this, Bears fans, okay? So I, you've been all been asking me to tell you how I feel. I don't know how to feel because the Bears make me angry. That's, that is how I feel. So I enjoyed my run to the Super Bowl with Bruce and Jake and was trying to focus on that, and the Bears just kept like an ex-boyfriend that I'm trying to get rid of constantly. They just won't leave me alone, and they're constantly pestering me. And they had to pester me with this Carson Wentz stuff. And then I got to see Ben Solak trying to trade Portillo's away from Chicago. And he apparently wanted me to fire him. I told him, I was like, you're walking a fine line here, Ben. You're walking a real fine line. You start talking about football players, I could care less. You start moving my Portillo's around, we're going to have problems. He would have said Lou Malnati's, he would have been fired. I would have been like, yep, it's over the line, Ben. Too far. Too far. But we will see what Chicago does. We will see how this all shakes out. And inevitably, there will be an angry rant from me one way or the other because they will find a way to mess this up. 
Uh, we have gone way longer Long than I show expected. that I've produced ever since joining the team. This is we super, have so far in the deep end. Coming up on two so, hours now. Yes, so far into the deep end. Had to move a meeting around while we were on the show. Totally fine. Uh, very happy to be back with the crew. We had not all been back together in quite some time because all the things that were moving around. We had Jake had COVID. I had COVID. Freaking Jake was in Tampa. Like it's been a a crazy six weeks so happy that the crew is back healthy uh and all together to do a show today um i'm going to skip final thoughts because we've had enough thoughts on this podcast today so no final thoughts jamie i want you to tell everybody how they can follow you and read the uh latest update to your fantasy football mock draft Yes, you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. We are through the full mock draft is now out. So seven rounds, way too early fantasy football mock draft. You can read it at thedraftnetwork.com. We will go over it at various points during this offseason. Uh, we'll be going two shows, two shows a week starting next week. Uh, they will be shorter shows. They will be around a half hour. They will not be these two-hour marathons. Yeah, okay. We wanted, we wanted to break. Well, I, have at, I literally have meetings that I cannot miss after, uh, uh, particularly on the Monday well, and Wednesday Well, at least be an hour oh, or yeah, less. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they, they got to be less than that. So I, I've got a 45 minute block those days. So that we're going to have to, I'll have to shut the hell up because I'm the one that's been tangents and all, all over the place here, but uh, we'll be with you throughout the off season. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up and we will tell you more about it later this week. Yep. Very excited. Chris, tell everybody how they can follow you. you can follow me on Twitter at shoe radio, S C H U radio. You can follow me. As always, at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, listen, Carson Wentz stuff, Bears fans, please stop tweeting at me about it. I'm just going to address these things on. I've decided that these very emotional topics can only be talked about on the podcast because inevitably these tweets will get thrown back in my face. So I'm only going to talk about these topics on the podcast. So that means you have to listen exclusively for angry page on TDN fantasy only. Okay. That's the only place that you're going to find that. And if you would like to come around for the petty pettiness, that will be us dunking on every single person that was very, very mean to my family. Just get a little taste because it's coming and just prepare yourself accordingly. Because if any of you ever come at Jamie or Chris, the, you're going to get the exact same reaction that you're going to get uh, from me about Bruce. So this is not, there's one year, once you're in the inner circle, this is how Greek mafia works. Okay. Let me just tell you how this works here. Once you're in the inner circle, you're in the inner circle. And then when they attack the inner circle, it doesn't go well for anybody. So Jake, Jake, Jake's fine. <laughs> So, Jamie, so, okay, hold on Jamie. real quick. Jamie has to learn the Zoom feature where he just sends messages just to me because no, he's make, you're making references that I don't think Paige gets. They're wrestling references. All right, fine. you're fine with Paige being confused, it's fine. fine. Go ahead. She can be involved, I just, Chris. I, I just laugh because I know that it's wrestling related, and I'm like, yep, there's a, there's a reference to something related to wrestling that I don't know, but I know you're making fun of me. So I just laugh. That's literally all that happens. But Please uh, stick around for what we're going to be doing all off scene. It's going to be great. Very excited for all the content that we've got going on. As Jamie said, you can read his latest round of the mock draft. It is complete at thedraftnetwork.com. And we'll be back later next week with some fantasy football awards. Very excited about that show. So make sure you tune in for that next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.